Investing for the rest of us. Three key points. One, I'm not a certified financial planner, but that's okay because very likely the person whose investment advice you're currently following isn't either. Look at what you've actually invested in, what stocks you bought, what piece of real estate you bought, et cetera. Where did that intel come from? Really, did it come from a certified financial planner? And here's the thing, many, close to 50%, as per a survey that I once uh, saw the results of, many half of actual certified financial planners do not have a financial plan for themselves. And not only that, further, a good half of them plus are not invested in the actual things that they are promoting that you should invest in. So that's kind of interesting. So for what is worth, the following ideas I'm gonna outline here, um, I'm following them. My, my money is where my mouth is as it comes. So point two, if you're sitting on a lump of cash, whether that's a thousand dollar lump, 10,000 to a hundred thousand, a million dollars, I think the following principles stand. A key one, of course, is uh, really just a page out of Warren Buffett's playbook, which we'll get to. So, and again, number three, kind of recapping on the point it just made, do I practice what I preach? Yes, I do, but really only since the age of about 46, better late than never. And yes, my own accredited investment advisor with decades of experience agrees with the following concepts, uh, representing a valuable piece of any long-term wealth accumulation strategy. So this stuff I've put together, it's the product of 30 years of conversations, missteps, correct steps, et cetera. And, and it's just some very basic stuff, but uh, sometimes it's the basic stuff that does well. So here's a longer version. Some of us invest our money in trading various individual stocks and or crypto and or flipping and or holding real estate and Beanie Babies and Bitcoin and all the rest of it. We invest our time and our energy too, energy being the most critical and precious of resources and often the one we waste the most. Check that crypto account in the past few minutes, right? Like, you know, I've got a few friends that have gotten to the crypto thing and they literally say every time they pick up their phone, they're checking checking. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a ridiculous. So how often do we stop to ask ourselves, am I investing my time, my money, my energy into something that will truly pay off in a meaningful way? Take stocks and crypto. Hitting a 10x gain, a 10 times gain, turning a thousand into 10,000, for instance, in the market has long been considered a pretty significant achievement, a 10 bagger, as it's called on the street. As tough as this is to achieve, it will happen at least once or twice in most of our investing careers. I've had it happen more than a few times, actually. Um, but again, usually a thousand bucks turning into 10,000 bucks and well, we'll carry on. No multi-millions made in the stock market for this guy, which is kind of the point I'm about to make. So although it's tough to repeat that 10 bagger, it's tougher still to do without nine other loser moves setting us right back to even money. So in other words, you put a thousand bucks into 10 things, nine of them go to zero, one of them goes to 10,000, you didn't really gain anything. So should we be chasing 10 bagger moves, wildly jumping from one stock tip to another, one tip gleaned in a locker room, another at a bar, another from some random caller with a New York accent? Is this the path to success? Let's talk about Warren a little bit more, Mr. Buffett. In 2008, Warren Buffett put up a $1 million bet against any fund manager who suggested that they could beat the S&P 500 index over the following 10 years. The results, the best fund gained 62.8%, 
the average fund gained 22%, not accounting for the fees, which matter. The S&P 500 gained 85.4% with essentially no managed fees, management fees at all. Unsurprisingly, only one hedge fund manager had taken the bet, and of course, he lost. The rest of them sat silently by, hoping, I think, that nobody was paying attention. Well, we weren't, and so those folks do continue to collect. Uh, on average, uh, these are American stats, but Canadians love to pay investment fees as well. But in the US, it's like a 2% management fee in an up year and in a down year. And in the up year, they're also going to take 20% of the gains in most cases, which is just amazing to me. So if dedicated pros cannot beat the S&P 500, why do we think that we can? Given that most of us are working at a part-time with no significant market knowledge, although many of us possess significant self-delusions of market knowledge, we really should know better, but we don't. I mean, we think we know better, but we don't. So why, why, why? Well, because we're human, that's why. We often think we know better, and in some instances, the results make us feel like we do. We also have really biased memories, choosing to recall the winners and let the losers fade gently into distant memories. I mean, that's kind of how I get through life. Yeah, I remember those winning stock picks, but I try and block out the losers. Uniglobe travel, I remember that one though. Boy, oh boy. That was, that's, actually, that's a good example of what I'm gonna speak to next. So let's ignore the suggestions of your lack of expertise and go with some positive vibes. You've got a lock on this new pick. You know it's the winner. Okay, Smarty Pants, how much are you actually investing in this 10X gainer, this sure thing, this can't lose? How much are you gonna put in there? $5,000? Well, hey, a win would turn that into $50,000. Nice, but like, so what? Is that quit your job money? No, not really. But wait, there's more. Will you hang on? Because this could be a 100x gainer. Will you double down and sell and then place that entire $50,000 into the next sure thing? Either way, that would take your $50,000 to $500,000 now. But again, even with a half a million dollars, let's be real. Are you quitting your job? No, you're not. So you're still hanging on, either for that stock to go up tenfold again, or you're gonna take that entire half a million and put it all into a single stock for a third time in a row, looking for that 10 bagger a third time in a row. Now, I don't know anyone who's done either of those things. I don't know anybody who's put a lump of money into something that's gone up by 10 and then done that two more times, three times in a row. I don't know anybody that's done that. And I don't know anybody that's hung on where their dollar became a thousand dollars. Like I, I don't I don't know anyone who's actually pulled that off. But I do know dozens of people who've gained, then lost, then gained, then lost, then gained, then lost. Well, you get the idea. Treading water. And what about crypto? I mean, that's where the big gains are, 100x gains. Come on, it's 1,000x gains. It's 10,000x gains. The real question here, again, though, is who actually hangs on from the beginning to the end of that ride? I mean, we all had the option, and some of us, the advice in 2010 to buy Bitcoin at six cents. In fact, one of you, odds are, bought some Bitcoin at six cents. Six cents at the time of this writing, uh, when I wrote this on May 29th, one Bitcoin was worth $41,000 US. I think it's fallen a little bit further right now. But either way, that was a gain of 691,000. 
percent, 691,667% to be precise. But take a step back and be serious with ourselves. Think about what your life looked like in late 2010, and then pick the actual number you could have invested, not would have. History already shows that you would have invested zero because that's what you invested, but what could you have? Could you have set aside a thousand bucks? I mean, I myself at that time in 2010, I could have invested $10,000. How do I know this? Because I put more than $10,000 into upgrading my car and I didn't need to upgrade my car. I could have driven the same damn car. So I put 10 grand into a car, it's gone, of course, depreciation. I could have put it into Bitcoin, but I didn't. And I also, what did I do? Well, I had $10,000 that I invested. I invested it in a South American gold mine and never did see a single penny returned. Never mind profit. I didn't get my, my 10 grand just, I don't know. I think uh, that my, uh, my man Bill there just took my 10,000 to the club and made it rain. I, I mean, I hope he did. Somebody better gotten some use out of that cash. Anyway, had I invested $10,000 in Bitcoin, here's the question. Would I actually have $69 million today? Would I? No, of course not. And I say that with 691, 667% certainty. I'm certain I wouldn't. And I don't think you would either. Well, I mean, how can I say this? How do I know this about myself and most likely about you? Because we all share that same fundamental flaw that drives us to hang on to our losers and sell the winners way too soon, i.e. we're humans. This is a massive disadvantage, it's being human thing. You know who's still holding their six cent Bitcoins 11 years later? People who forgot their password, People who accidentally threw away their computer, that poor dude with the half a billion in the land in the landfill, and uh, people who passed away. That that's who. So the estate is theoretically holding it, but they passed away, and they didn't. They passed away with their code, their access code. Whoops. The only reason they haven't sold is they can't sell. Of course, as big as their win has been, like I say, the landfill guy's loss, running at about a half a million dollars. There's some pretty down, there's some pretty big downside to this security, isn't it? Sometimes too secure is, you know, too secure. Other than these poor rich folks, the rest of us, let's face it, we would not still be hanging on to those six cent bitcoins. It wouldn't have happened. We would have been out at 12 cents, 18 cents, 24 cents, like 100, 200, 300% gain, 1000% gain. Like we're gone. We're out of there. Our thousand dollars becomes 10,000. We're out. Our thousand dollars becomes 30,000. We're out. I mean, if I'd put 10 grand in and it turned into 60 or 70 grand, I'd have been out. Hopefully I'd have forgotten, I would have missed it. It would have spiked quick enough that maybe it went all the way to 220. I for sure would have like hit that sell button without pausing. Very, very few would have stayed on a roller coaster slash rocket ship ride to a thousand percent gain. But virtually nobody in this age of instant updates, notifications, and media-focused fear of all things would have lasted very far beyond those initial points of, you know, 100, 200, 300, 400%. And as I say, nobody, nobody would have hung on for 691, 667,000% gain. And again, I say that with certainty because, hey, if you're worth $69 million from a Bitcoin win, you're not paying attention to this right now. So how best to proceed given these challenges that we face with our humanity? So here's the plan. If you're somebody who's come into a lump of money, either through a corporate bonus, divorce settlement, or just a fantastic poker night, here are some ideas for the next steps. Most of us feel like we need to get that money out of our hands before we spend it on something silly, wind up at another poker night, 
or find ourselves getting married again, whatever the case may be. All too often, we're tempted to make an investment based on advice from some other totally unqualified individual we trust, like myself, for instance. And we do things like I've done myself, you know, things including but not limited to a $10,000 investment in a microbrewery. Yes, a South American gold mine, that 10 grand went away, $10,000 in a microbrewery, way before microbreweries were cool, like we're talking, Ooh, 2004, like way too early. No idea where those guys went with my money either. Hopefully they met up with Bill at the club and they all had a really good time. Depending on who you are and where you are in life, $10,000 may or may not seem like a lot. But both of those investments were made when I was in my early 30s and it was a significant amount of money. It was a significant amount of my capital. But uh, you know, I was looking for that big home run. I was just looking in the wrong spot. And investing truth. The only way in which most of us truly become multimillionaires in the stock market is by forgetting that we invested in the first place and then by some fluke rediscovering the investment at just the right time. Not selling is a key. Diversification is a key. Avoiding the news cycle is a key. And yes, shout out to the expert money managers that are out there and they do exist. Sure, having one of those guys in your corner, one of those girls in your corner, that's absolutely a key. The reality is though, if you start young enough or you just start at any age, you can through a process of logical investing combine Warren Buffett's suggestion regarding the S&P 500 with the miracle of dollar cost averaging to set yourself up in a pretty great way. So let's say that lump sum you have today is $100,000. Should you put that $100,000 all into an S&P 500 index fund today? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. When I wrote this, Today was May 31st, 2021. So I guess I can look back later and see how good I'd feel putting it all into the S&P 500 index on that date. Odds are this was not the best move. After all, people have been calling for the top of the market for the past four or five years running. That goes to show you something right there. The better plan is this. Take that $100,000 and divide it into 12 installments of $8,300. Or maybe it divided into 24 installments of $4,100. Take a little time with this. Consider some term deposits that more or less uh, allow you to release the money as you need it, as the plan is going to go here. And then on the first of the month, simply purchase $8,300 worth of that S&P 500 index fund. Don't look at the up and the down. Just put the money in. Okay, you're going to look. And look, if it's come down a little bit, maybe you put a little extra in. But like I say, ideally try to not look at the price or the performance. Just buy that dollar amount worth of the Vanguard S&P 500. The ticker symbol's VOO. It's, it's, it's a great little piece uh, to invest a piece in. Not everything and not all at once. The dollar cost averaging trick protects you over the long haul. If the market drops notably, like I say, you may want to buy a little bit more that month. Because when we are feeling like pushing the sell button and getting out, that's usually when we should be buying. It'll be hard to do though, but stick to the plan. Recognize that you'll never really know where or when the market is at the bottom or the top, but know that all things tend to return to previous highs. And again, we're talking about a basket of 500 companies. Like that's, that's some pretty good diversification. You're safe if a few of those companies don't make it. Diversification is the key. And as I say, the fund that Warren suggests is the one that I personally buy, the Vanguard S&P 500 Index Fund, ticker symbol VOO. May 31st, VOO had closed at $386.13, having risen from 
$200 just five years ago. Not a bad return over the previous 12 months earlier from 286 to 386 in one year, a change of 38.65% year over year. Not bad, trailing 12 months, I should say. And what happened when the pandemic hit? <clears throat> the VOO, it had just crested $300, plummeted to about 240 before bouncing back past 300 just a few months later and carry, carrying right on rising. Should you be investing in cryptocurrencies? Should you be investing in stocks? What about stocks that pay dividends? Should you be investing in real estate? Look, there's lots of questions out there around this, but I think the key is to have some piece where you've got that steady dollar cost averaging piece and that steady, nice diversified basket that some money's going into. So I don't think any one thing is, to use a $100 word, a panacea, a cure-all. But here is a simple recipe. If you've not done much with your TFSA, let's start. Now, this whole plan is largely built around being incorporated, which it sounds like I'm gonna contradict myself. If you're incorporated, it's really nice to keep the money inside the corp. But if you've got a TFSA that you've not tapped at all and you've got capital outside the corp, maximizing the TFSA just makes sense. Carve out a simple $500 per month, essentially the CPP contribution for self-employed people, which as an incorporated individual, you don't have to make. And buy $500 a month worth of VOO every month. It's your own CPP fund, your self-funding, your retirement fund. The math works out pretty good on this too, depending on your age. Time, of course, is your friend. If unless it's not. If you're lucky enough to be incorporated in Canada, you have the option of drawing dividends rather than T4ing yourself. And I'm gonna say never T4 yourself. It is the worst idea and a massive missed opportunity to take control of your financial future rather than leaving it up to the government. While the tax differences are nil, the win is that the dividend income does not trigger CPP. Again, if you've got the ability to be incorporated doing what you're doing for a living, be incorporated. I've talked about that ad nauseum. There, there, there's no debate around it. Be incorporated, end of story. Your accountant tells you you shouldn't be and you're a broker in our industry and you're doing 20 million plus in volume, you need a new account, but I digress. And if you are incorporated and you have the ability to draw dividends, draw dividends. Stop giving your money to the government to manage for you, hoping they're gonna give it back to you in your old age. I mean, what does CPP actually get you? It gets you zero liquidity, zero access to capital saved up, zero equity to pass on to your estate. Should you pass away on your 65th birthday, your estate will have a zero cash value in that CPP. But someone doing what I'm suggesting for just 20 years, will likely have $250,000. $250,000 is what you are conservatively leaving on the table by failing to incorporate, or worse yet, being incorporated and T4ing yourself. So final question for you, a quarter million dollars, like, like it's not enough for some people, they still won't incorporate, they'll still keep T4ing themselves, I, I don't know. Thank you for paying tax, thank you for paying into CPP. We all appreciate you, thank you for doing that. Final question for you. If all of the above just seems too complicated, then why not invest your time, money, and energy into something with a 100% guaranteed payoff? Your single greatest asset, for instance. Not your house, that's not, not renovating the kitchen, that's not what I'm talking about. Your earning power, and that is, your earning power is that you and your database. So go, invest in yourself and invest in your database. That's where 
the real investment returns can be made. Like I say, in conclusion, don't take my word for it. Take Warren Buffett's word. Obviously, a more successful and savvy investor than, well, anybody else on the planet. And as he, as he explains in season one of Netflix's series Explained, uh, the stock market episode, buy an S&P 500 index fund, and then just forget about the market. The value of your portfolio, the media hype, check back again in 20 years. And by the way, a quick footnote on RRSP, something that came up in conversation, but we didn't get into, into some of the previous conversations with accountants and financial planners. When you pass away, your RRSP, yes, it can go to your spouse. If you have a spouse designated, it can go to the spouse. But if you pass away and you're the surviving spouse, you've got your first spouse's uh, RRSP that came to you, they passed away, but then you pass away and your funds are in an RRSP. They don't just flow to your estate. It doesn't just flow to your kids. It's taxed by the government at 53.5%. So in Canada, we like to you know, brag about not having a death tax. We have a death tax and it's in an RRSP, which again, if you've got the power to be incorporated, don't put your money in an RRSP. Don't put it into CPP. Don't give these things, don't give your money to the government. Don't give it to a vehicle that the government has so much control over. Anyway, in closing, go forth and find some good advice out there. This is just one little piece of it. And it's, as I say, a collection of about 30 years worth of input from a variety of people. Thanks very much. Hope you found that useful.